Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell. And in this episode of Chick Flicks, we're talking about the movies, the classic movies, <laughs> Fern Gully and Princess Mononoke. But first, let's catch up. What are you into, Bridget? Uh, last Friday, I got home from work, half day Friday, summer Friday, uh, sat down at on my couch at probably at 2 p.m. and did not move until like... <laughs> I think I ate dinner, but I didn't <laughs> get up until like 10. I watched all of Glow season three. I don't know if you've watched it yet. I watched the first episode, but I need to watch more. I loved it. I loved it so much. I'm so worried that the show is going to get canceled. Uh, oh. That would suck so badly. Um, I saw this article today at Variety.com by Carolyn Frumke uh, called Glow season three made the case for a great season four. And I just wanted to read the beginning part of this because I thought it summed up why I love the show so much. Mm-hmm. Um, just as Orange is the New Black once used its preppy blonde protagonist to lure unsuspecting viewers into a show about inequality, Glow uses wrestling to unpack what it means to be empowered. The logline mm-hmm. of the show boils down to a ragtag group of 80s women become wrestlers, conjuring neon images of glitter and hairspray, wisecracks and padded shoulders reaching to the sky. And while all that has been present in Glow since its 2017 debut, the show also quickly revealed itself to be much more than its spandex surface. It's about ambition, passion, and drive. It's about the complexities of navigating the workplace, even if the office is a bright pink wrestling ring. It's about learning who you are and learning how to love it. And I, yeah, I just love that show. Sometimes it feels like it's almost this like fantasy world. Um, Like obviously all the women characters in it are struggling. Mm -hmm. They're struggling with different aspects of their identities and personalities and relationships. But it does feel, I guess that was like the one criticism I have with it sometimes, which is also both why I really love it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like not to spoil anything, but there's like a few queer characters on this show. And I feel like they are largely so supported by the rest of the cast Mm -hmm. that made me think I was like, it is, would it be this way in the mid eighties? You know, would really all of the women, the other women wrestlers be cool with having, you know, like a lesbian teammate? Probably yeah. not, you know? Yeah. And so like, it is a bit of a fantasy, mm-hmm. but uh, it's what I, what you want to watch, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, I also saw the movie Panic Room. Sorry, I'm just like going through all mine. No, go for it. Rad uh, I saw Panic Room for the first time on Friday night or like last weekend by David Fincher. And I loved it. I thought it was really it's fun. so good. It's I mean, I love all these things. If I like, I love all these things that you thank you, to. thank you. Though I uh, love Glow, but it, it's very it like is very sad at yeah, times. It's so sad. It's almost like too sad. That's why I can't like binge it. You like yeah. other shows because it makes me so sad. <laughs> it is very sad, and if they fucking cancel it, I'm gonna be so sad. Yeah, because like this, not to spoil anything, but the season ends on like a cliffhanger, and it's just like. Netflix has not really been supporting a lot of like female driven, uh, enterprises. Like they canceled Tuca and birdie, you know, um, they have this policy I've read about of, they know that people, they would rather create a new show than do another season of an old show. Cause that gets more subscribers. Mm-hmm. If you have more new shows versus having one show that's like in its fourth or fifth season. Mm-hmm. So that's why they've been canceling so many shows. They'd Dang. rather have an abundance of many different types of show than, like a few different shows well into a few different seasons um which sucks that does suck so it doesn't bode well for for glow but i will sorely sorely miss it mm-hmm. the last thing that i'm really into this week is the <laughs> hbo show succession returned for its second season and Mackenzie, if you haven't heard its theme song you have to look it up tim okay. and i are always laughing because the show utilizes it way too much like <laughs> it's the only background music like it has like anytime anything's happening in a scene this theme song kicks in and it's so over the top 
so dramatic, so like schmaltzy, but it's like such an earworm and will never leave your mind once you hear wow. it. Oh, so maybe I shouldn't. No, I will. No, it's really I'll fun. It. It's super fun. And I like thought about watching it because I listened to Pop Culture Happy Hour about it and they were like, it's good. So it's really good. Like it scratches my itch that Big Little Lies like left a hole in my heart. Mm-hmm. I guess that's mixing metaphors of uh, rich white people problems. Okay. And it's just something I enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> what are you into this week, Mackenzie? I watched almost all of Dairy Girls on Netflix. About Should I watch Dairy Girls? It seems so good. It's it's really good. It's super yeah. funny. Um, it's about a group of Irish teenage girls in the... Oh, God. Is it in the 80s? 80s or 90s. Dang, everything I, is in the 80s. It might be the 90s. I don't... I. It's when the IRA stopped... Oh, okay. Doing, Doing the this shit. stuff. Yeah. But I, like at the very end of that. So whatever that was, God, I'm horrible. I don't know any history. It's fine. Um, but it's really good. It's super funny and it has a lot of heart. And I just love watching girls hang out. So Yo, definitely that. Um, and then if you don't me- know me very well you might not know that i am a fast and furious stan i love every single one of the movies so much even is, tokyo drift <laughs> is there a name for fast and furious fans do they have a name i'm gonna google it while you speak okay um so i saw Hobbs and shaw and i loved it it was so good i went by myself <laughs> on <gasps> tuesday and it was like there was no dom i wish like there was a dom cameo i wish there were like a a couple more like Fast and Furious tie-ins, like mm-hmm. like with Dom, pretty much. That's that's it. Or Letty. Even, Is that Vin but, Diesel? Yeah. Um, but very, it stuck to like this was a, like a criticism by a lot of people that it like talked too much about family. But I liked that because that's just the core value <laughs> of Fast and Furious: <laughs> is family, and they really stuck to it, and it was funny. Um, like I laughed out loud like a bunch of times and it's just a fucking good movie there and well, uh, corny at times, which is part of the deal. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, and then I also watched the movie, the anime movie, a silent voice on Netflix, um, which was really good. I actually watched it two days in a row. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, you, um, all the boys i love before it i know i did uh so it's about a it it could kind of be like it's about a girl a deaf girl and a boy who bullies her in elementary school and then they Not grow cool. up and they become friends mm-hmm. and I, I, just saying that i'm like god this sounds like horrible <laughs> but it it actually it's really good and even though that sounds like problematic, like, oh, he bullied you, that means he likes you, that type of thing, I feel like it is more than that and sort of overcomes that. Mm-hmm. Because he goes, he himself is then bullied for bullying the girl for like his, and, <laughs> and <laughs> has like, I don't know, it's just super cute. I highly recommend. Um, and I'm a sucker for cute anime shit, as we'll see oh, yeah. when we talk about Princess Mono. Okay. Um, I Googled. Fast and Furious fandom name, and I got a question, like a Yahoo question or whatever oh. result that said, "What are fans of Fast and Furious called?" An example: Doctor Who fans are called Whovians, and the only answer is, "I don't understand the question." 
Someone else is out there trying to learn about. I wonder if there's like a Fast and Furious subreddit. Oh, maybe they'll maybe they'll have a name. Like you have to know what your community is. Yeah. I have even made Fast and Furious fan art. <gasps> I didn't know that. It's I just embroidered Fast and Furious onto the butts of my jeans. I mean that's cute. Yeah. That's hick. Thank you. We'll figure. We'll get. Maybe we'll update. <laughs> But There's people. no, it's just Fast and Furious. The subreddit is just Fast and Furious. So. Lame. Maybe I should pose it to the subreddit and be like, let's name, let's create a name. <laughs> yeah, you, you should <laughs> get this going. Um, so before we launch into our two movies, I did just want to, this is like kind of a weird tie-in, but uh, the Trump administration announced a bunch of rollbacks for environmental protections like the Endangered Species Act this week. And I was thinking about that when I, we watched both of these movies that mm-hmm. were made in the 90s and um, how like real climate changes and how much inaction is bad for all of us. Yeah, I thought about that too, especially when I was watching, well, when was Princess Mononoke made? I didn't even think of that. Uh, 97? Okay. Yeah. But I, when I was watching Fern Gully, which was let's let's just keep it going, made in nineteen ninety two, the year of my birth. <laughs> it's one Mackenzie Chapman old. It's a unit of time. But I was like, <laughs> I was like, um, it's crazy. Like at the end of the movie, there's like a title frame that says like for our children and our children's children and i was I like know, fuck like like since this movie is made like shit has not gotten better it's like insane to me like the the endangered species act like who could be a critic of that you know like it's, know. it seems unfathomable obviously there are some people who are and they're so like deeply wrong um but it's yeah it's just crazy and also the trump administration like recently allowed this like pesticide to be cleared that's like proven to give kids cancer Jesus. just like wild wild what shit the hell? um so why Fern Gully is a silly movie with <laughs> silly rap songs in it. Uh, it does have that at the heart of it. Anyway, we'll launch in. Do you want to read this one? Sure. So. Fern Gully exists as a utopian jungle society where fairies and animals intermingle and rap songs together. We should do the rap, too. We should do the fairy oh, okay. rap. Look up the lyrics. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Krista is a young fairy learning about how to foster growth in the forest from her teacher, the ancient Magi. But the fair, the fair eyes, <laughs> fairy. <laughs> but the fairy's way of life is threatened by both hexes, a dark spirit, and humans who cut down trees for lumber. When Krista accidentally shrinks a young logger named Zach to fairy size, she <laughs> Zach becomes a snack. Hey. It's weird because his name is spelled with a K. It's very nineties. I feel like yeah. She learns that not all humans are bad, and some are even DTF. Down the fuck. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Together, Zach and Krista must defeat Hexus, save Fern Gully, and make it through several musical numbers. Um, what a fever dream. <laughs> uh, I feel Truly. like it's on a lot of lists, like weirdest movies from your childhood, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I came across one like listicle that was like super the super dark twisted moments of Fern Gully, and there actually there aren't that many. Like Hexus is pretty friggy, but yeah, you know, yeah, like Hexus is scary, and I definitely remember him being super scary when I was a kid. But I also remember loving like the magical parts of this movie, yes. like when they're like prancing across the underground the water. cave. 
Yeah, I like so that was like burned into my mind. I was like, when it appeared on screen, I was like, oh my god. There's definitely something about like sexual awakening scenes and like water, you know? Yeah. Like when you think about all the movie, like teen movies where they're like kids are in a pool together, you know? Mm, Yeah. There's something going on there. Yeah. Uh, It was funny watching this though for the first time, perhaps in 20 years. Yeah. Because, um, like, it, like, activated parts of my brain just started, like, remembering shit, you know? Like, mm-hmm. the sexy lizard kind of yeah. like, that song. I was like, whoa, whoa, I remember this. <laughs> and um, just, like, weird. This is another weird one that I, like, really remembered. Um, the uh, Pip, the boy fairy, mm-hmm. like, has this gigantic berry that he steals from, like, a little forest creature mm-hmm. and, like, takes a big bite out of it. And, like, mm-hmm. I remember that big, juicy berry for some reason so clearly in my mind. I remember being really confused about the thing. Batty has, like, a thing coming out of his head. Oh, yeah, the wire. I super confused about that when I was a kid, and it still doesn't make that much sense to me now. Yeah, Batty, as voiced by Robin Williams, Man. who was a victim of animal testing in mm-hmm. a lab. Mm-hmm. And he gets a rap about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, watch this with Tim, my boyfriend, who had never seen it before. When I when I was like, do you want to watch Frankali? And he was like, yeah. I thought that he had watched it. And then, like, the the, <laughs> fern, the baddie rap came up. And he was like, this movie has, like, rap in it? <laughs> I was like, yes. My name is Daddy. I mean, <laughs> it's on com, like, the rap lyric website. So. Wow. Oh, my gosh. It's very cringy. I mean, it's, it's Ra- bad. Robin yeah. Williams is a proficient rapper, I would say. If I felt like... Oh yeah, <laughs> I <laughs> sort of. I guess I feel like this movie does a lot of things that are extremely early '90s that just kind of uh, prohibit it from aging. <laughs> yeah, at all. I, it's so true. Like, like the hair styles of the characters. Like Zach has a mullet. Let's be real, pretty much. Yeah, Zach, Zach does have a mullet. And, like, Krista's hair is also, like, po- like teased up into this, like, weird spiky hairdo. Mop. Yeah. And the rap. The bad rap. The bad rap. A lot of bad rap. <laughs> and then the lizard song. I wrote out down the name. It was like, I'm gonna eat you or something. Yeah. Uh, when he tries to eat Zach. So the animals don't live in complete harmony with each other. (laughs) Just realistic to the true wild nature. Um, But Krista is this young fairy girl. Mm -hmm. She's learning how to control her magic. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Taking lessons from what I always assumed was like her grandmother, but I don't think that's ever stated explicitly. Yeah. Yeah. I just assumed Uh, she was sort of like, I didn't necessarily consider her grandmother but maybe like the village's collective grandmother like yeah, the wise yeah, yeah. woman mm-hmm. and she the, i also the scenes of her touching the seed really like mm-hmm. yeah came back to me yeah um mm-hmm. and so they're told that humans are kind of like a legend in fern gully there were like indigenous people who had lived in the forest but left because of hexus who is this evil spirit who kind of takes the form of pollution in the mm-hmm. movie um, and feeds and off tra- of pollution and, and like, they trapped toxic. him in a tree yeah uh and then when the humans come to take lumber from the forest hexus is released by the humans yes because mm-hmm. zach spray paints the tree and mm-hmm. hexus feeds off the toxins in the spray paint and he's you know released. yeah the metaphor works on so many different levels <laughs> and it's so rich and like <laughs> 
the X being spray painted on the tree that Hexus is trapped in, it, the tree that he's trapped in is like this big, like creepy looking dead yeah. tree because I think because his spirit is trapped in it, it like made the tree spooky. Mm-hmm. And I like that's another image that I like really remember is Zach spray painting it on the tree and then like the X on the tree. Yeah. So Zach is, is his age is dated as 16, which is so funny because I'm like, oh, he's a child. But as a child, I was like, 16 is like, he's always a man, you know? Yeah. <laughs> In appearance. Um, yeah. I don't, I was like, uh, is our 16 year olds allowed to do this type of work? That seems <laughs> very strange. I wonder yeah. what the labor laws are like in Australia. Yeah. And it's also strange that this Australian set movie has no Australian accents. Yeah. It's super Extremely weird. weird. <laughs> very, very weird. Uh, they got them for rescuers down under. Um, yeah. Tim uh, Curry, su- a superior movie in my opinion. Yeah, oh, much better. Probably holds up way, 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 way better. <laughs> I'm sure, like the emotional beats of rescuers down under would probably still get me. Yeah. Oh, oh my eagle, gosh. Yeah. The eagle protecting her baby. The eagle. Oh, that feather. When, oh when the God. boy is touching the feather. Yeah. That's so visceral. Wow. That movie is real. I like that better than the the first movie. Yeah, me too. One hundred percent. Oh, one hundred percent. I think that's yeah. like a widely known fact. That should be should be on the list of best sequels. You know. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Godfather two, Rescuers Down Under. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Tim Curry is the villain in this movie because he mm-hmm. only ever plays villains? Question mark. I recognized his voice not as Tim Curry, but as the bad guy from Scooby Doo and the Witch's Ghost, which just oh, goes to so show funny. how that's much so that movie holds a place in my heart. He gets a song, I don't know what it is, it's called Toxic Love. Uh, that's kind of like the centerpiece of the movie, I feel mm-hmm. like, where he is this smoky demon figure, and he sings lines like, I feel good, a special kind of horny. Yeah. Flowers and trees depress me and frankly bore me. I think I'll spew them all with cyanide salvia. Pour me a puke cocktail and take me to the driver. <laughs> like, what is, okay, what does that mean? Apparently it was even sexier and they had to tone it down. That's crazy. I mean, yeah. I think he's such a scary. So the the unofficial theme of this episode is like kids movies that are scary. So mm-hmm. and this one of the reasons this movie is so scary is because of the villain. Because yeah, of his the way he's like animated. And I think there's a lot of ways that we could talk about it, but like he is kind of he st- starts off as like this talking goo mm-hmm. and the way Ooh. that he talks yeah. when he's a goo is like a bunch of voices sort of mixed on top of each other i think sort mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. and like it's constantly changing and morphing and it's like burping and like making these weird like noises and it's very like cronenberg-esque yeah um good comparison like body horror-ish to me mm-hmm. which very is also visible. something that it it's similar to the like some some of the scarier images in Princess Mononoke, which we'll talk about. Yeah, very, yeah, for sure. The like the, the like the, the tentacles, you know, like that kind of yeah. rippling visceral body bodily um, goo. Yeah, uh, and apparently they hired the illustrator who worked on The Little Mermaid's Ursula, Kathy mm-hmm. Zelinsky, to do Hexus, and they had to tone her down too again because. Um, it would scare people. That's so cool. I wish I could see like what it would be like without that. There's like this yeah. shot where Hexus to become not goo and he turns into more of like a smoke type 
demon Mm -hmm. (laughs) he like becomes electrocuted in the lumber machinery and there's like a shot where he it he's like electrocuted and it shows like a skeleton underneath him and i was like dang that that was like super scary and like because it's like a skeleton with all that goo dripping off of it like that's yeah that was very very frightening watching both of these made me think a little bit about how like children's movies like this like almost start introducing kids to like fear you know like like, uh and they're almost like kind of like necessary introductions i think Mm -hmm. sometimes i don't Mm -hmm. mean i don't mean like kids like should be scared but Mm -hmm. it's like i don't know it's uh it's a story that's always gonna have a happy ending well i think like it's it's interesting that like something i think that the more i think about it like kids well, like this movie, like uh, movies like Rats of Nim, but like this movie has the the villain or like the thing that is so scary is something that is real, which is like pollution. And you yeah. think about things that scare us as adults, like horror movies as adults. And I think that a lot of the horror is like something that maybe is like underneath like the ghost or demon that's like possessing Mm -hmm. the house or whatever Mm -hmm. or like the monster in a cave like underneath it there's like horror that is like psychologically about something else but it's kind of cool that this kid movie is like just like no this pollution is actually gonna kill us like it's a real thing that yeah it's a real threat yeah i thought that was cool and again depressing that it's now 27 years later like yeah still having this conversation yeah um it's crazy so uh, another connection between these two movies we're going to talk about is they're both have like this female hero who's kind of explicitly more connected to nature uh than the male hero Mm. uh and i think krista and princess mononoke are obviously really different because the tones of both movies are super super different Mm -hmm. but krista is very like she's healing you know she's like this healer she's very uh like calm and pretty uh she's wearing this little sex pot outfit uh which didn't bother me because i was like pip the fairy is also an idealized male form Uh, (laughs) so it's fine Mm -hmm. um in this article by jara hodge she writes um through it all the film presents a positive perception of female role models um krista's spunky tomboyish has a, a tomboyish haircut quick giggle and she grows from a lackadaisical teen to a noble warrior willing to die for the sake of protecting the forest community. Um, and I thought that was cool. And, you know, like, she does get, like, a romance with Zach, mm-hmm. obviously. But I don't mm-hmm. think it's, like, very central to the plot and doesn't kind mm-hmm. of really um, affect either of their actions in, like, the last third of the movie, really. I guess, I mean, yeah. like, Zach is convinced to save help save the planet, but... Um, it's not like Krista is ever like, I should be go with Zach or become right. a human or, you know. And Zach himself is like, I wish I could stay here, but I have to go back to the human world so I can, like, stop the humans from cutting down the forest. Which is very similar to, actually, That's Ashitaka true. in Princess Mononoke. Okay, they do have, like, a very, like, mature way of resolving their relationship, I guess. For Both of them do. Worlds. Yeah. Yeah. I was also like, Zach, honey, I don't know what you're going to do as a 16-year-old logger in Australia to stop yeah, I know. the forest from getting taken down Although unless he could you become do, an like, eco-terrorist. You know that book, Who? Did you ever read that book, Who, as a kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he, like, takes out all those stakes or whatever yeah, in the construction site and, like, delays their 
uh, one of Brie Larson's first roles in that movie. Oh my god, she's in that movie? Yeah, I think she's, that's her. Really? Oh my god. Yeah. I did that yeah. to my... the the. I used to, in New Jersey, um, they built a development behind my house, which used to be all woods, but, but while they were building it, I would like go in and take out all the stakes because of who. Mackenzie! <laughs> Confession. You're an eco-terrorist now. I know. I probably shouldn't say that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know uh, I'm not, really. <laughs> it didn't no, do anything. They still built it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I, I like that you um, you made a comment about Pocahontas being similar in this way, too. Well... In the children's movie. Yeah, I mean, the movies are very similar in that they're just, like, this, like, outsider who is sort of on the wrong side of things comes in and is, like, changed by this romance. Um mm-hmm. Or, like, convinced to change his point of view. But, unlike Pocahontas, Krista is not stressed out about the, her relationship the whole time. Like, no. Pocahontas is, like, there. I think his name is Kokuam. Uh, like, while Pip is definitely jealous of Krista and Zach, it's never, mm-hmm. like, the relationship is never forced. Or, and Krista's never, like made to feel weird about it she seems not conflicted about it in the slightest exactly (laughs) meanwhile pocahontas is like freaking moody af about what to do about her love triangle happening yeah and she doesn't even get with that john smith she gets with another john smith pocahontas too which good Mm -hmm. for her follow your heart yeah exactly um Oh, you're right. Yeah. Fuck. Who does she kick up with in the second? That's very confusing for children, like the Pocahontas movies, because they are like historically sem- like semi-accurate enough so that they're like, Pocahontas moves to England, gets married to a third guy in the second movie. And it's like, did children want this like at all? To learn? I didn't. Um, yeah, I know. I was still shipping the like pretend dead John Smith, I think. Yeah. Movie what the heck um but oh people were freaking out about this movie or i'm sorry james cameron's avatar plagiarizing this movie they can say that it also did well that's the funny thing i was actually telling the guy who interviewed me for the podcast last week he was like i was like next week we're doing fern gully and princess monoke and he was like fern gully you mean avatar and i was like well it's also like pocahontas like it's also like it's It's tropes you know it's just the same tropes you know it's it's just exactly what we described of like a outsider, a female character who's tied to nature who shows him yeah. a better way to live <laughs> and is like a steward of the environment. Um, yeah, so it's just tropes, you know. People but who doesn't love fairies? Like I, I think I honestly think we need more fairy movies. We do. We need a good fairy horror movie. Wow, I agree. Oh my god, Incredible. fairies are scary and not that terrible bright movie that was on Netflix with Will that, Smith. Yeah, that was horrible. I know. By that rapist. Anyway. True. Um, do not recommend. <laughs> do not recommend. Uh, Mackenzie, the one-star reviews for this movie and for Princess Monoke are like very similar. And are so funny. So I funny. loved do them. Want, do you want to read the first one? Sure. Here we go again with yet another preachy left-wing propaganda film disguised as a family-friendly cartoon used to indoctrinate innocent young kids into their warped world of Marxist secular new age earth worshipping humanity hating anti-capitalist mindset this movie was an obvious pot shot at the logging industry 
and capitalism. And I love to go to the mansions of the, of the producers, directors, and cast to see how many wood products I can find in their homes and determine how many trees are cut down to supply them with their comfortable lifestyles. Yeah, like the takeaway from this movie is don't use any wood products. Yeah, this takeaway from it's really coming for the logging industry. That's I love what got that me. anyone would think that a movie produced and made by Hollywood could truly be anti-capitalist. I know. Too, you know? It's like, mm, what? This movie is making money. Um, yeah, insane. This person said, long story short, the sole lesson to be taken away from this movie is humans are evil and the source of any and all bad things. <laughs> Which is like, sorry that there are fairies in this movie, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are basically small humans. Like, this person is an idiot. (laughs) And also, a hex is is bad in this movie, too. Yeah. People very, very offended by a children's movie about the environment in 1992. Oh, and this person said, I was forced to watch this movie on the last day of school in third grade. This movie was one of many things I think that messed me up in the head. In reading the comments, I have no idea how anyone could get joy out of this movie. I wish you could see it from my perspective. (laughs) I don't want to mock anyone's pain. But what happened to this? <laughs> this is very, what happened to this child? Dang. What was the movie that really scared you as a kid that you saw and you were like not ready for? <laughs> I have one. Mars Attacks. Mars Attacks scared the oh, shit out of me. Uh, I did get scared seeing Jurassic Park 3, I think. Ooh. I think. But like mm-hmm. I still, I, I guess I didn't really get scared that much when I was a kid. I bet my parents would tell me otherwise, but <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yeah, I could see you being cool-headed about movie stuff they're great mouse detective that's scary as shit yeah that, that's a scary movie <laughs> Mackenzie what are your final thoughts and feelings about the classic movie Fern Gully um I think like I would still show my kid it today if I ever yeah. have kids because it is one that like I said before it, a lot of it didn't age well in terms of like style but I think a lot mm-hmm. of the substance age well no yeah um and it's definitely like fun and beautiful and like pretty wholesome. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh, so I'll rate it. So I'll, <laughs> I'll rate it like a five. I was gonna say a five too. Uh, <laughs> I agree. Like it was a fun, good movie. It was yeah. cute. It was like an hour long. A ch- children's movie should be an hour long <laughs> for me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was good. It was fun to rewatch, honestly. Mm -hmm. The musical numbers are super cringy, but Mm -hmm. fun at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like, the baddie rap unearthed this weird shame in me for some reason. I don't know. It was like secondhand shame. Yeah, it was bad. It it was Uh, sort of like the rap in Teen Witch, though. It's like, it's so bad, it's funny, so you kind of love it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, It's not really bad, though. (laughs) Yeah, but I'll give it a five, too. I'm glad we rewatched it, and I think it will be an interesting contrast with our next movie, Princess Mononoke. After he is cursed by a dying boar god, Prince Ashitaka finds himself amidst a struggle between ancient forest gods and industrial humans. Fighting alongside a pack of wolves, wolf gods is San, a human girl turned feral wolf warrior whom Ashitaka falls in love with. Her adversary is Lady Iboshi, the ruler of Irontown, a settlement that encroaches upon the forest and mines the land. Iboshi schemes to kill the guardian of the forest, the great forest spirit, and bring its head, which grants immortality, to the emperor. San and Prince Ashitaka band together to save both humankind and the forest spirits. Mackenzie, when did you first see this movie? I did not see it until I was an adult, I think. 
Uh, I saw it when I was a little baby. Really? Yeah, my par- my mom, like, just, I don't know how, I don't know, but she showed me all these Ghibli movies as a kid. So That's awesome. I was like, uh, I watched, when Spirit Away came out, she bought it on DVD, like, the day it came out, and I watched mm. it, like, every day after school. <laughs> Spirited Away really freaked, freaked me out when I I did see Spirited Away as a kid and it scared me because I hate movies where like a kid is left alone or imperiled like mm-hmm. that. Uh, it gave yeah. me a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, my one of my cool friends in elementary school, Emma, had a big poster of Princess Mononoke in her bedroom, and I was always That's like, cool. "Dang, what is this?" I feel like Princess Mononoke is not a kids' movie, but because it was because it's like an animated, animated yeah. My mom was like, it must be for kids. I mean, and, yeah. Like, watching it compared yeah. to Fern Gully, you're like, a kid should probably be, like, 12 or 13 before they see this movie. Yeah. I was not. But the thing is, I also, like, was so young that I watched it, and I remember loving it, but then I couldn't... I didn't know what it was, so I had to wait until I was older to be like, that movie, Mom, what was it? I can Google like, now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, like... Because, like, I knew... Because, like, the title, Princess Mononoke, I guess, didn't come up that much in the movie. So, mm-hmm. like, it, it wasn't, like, Spirited Away where we actually had the DVD or, like, Kiki's Delivery Service where it's, like, Kiki. Obviously, I know Kiki. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mononoke apparently translates to shapeshifter. So, it's, like, Princess Shapeshifter. Cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, I this We watched the English dub version of this movie. Mm-hmm. I've actually not heard the Japanese version. Um, Me neither, um, yeah. But it has a great English cast who do the voices. Mm-hmm. It has Jillian Anderson as Moro, the wolf mm-hmm. goddess, and like I think my favorite performance. I know they like are mixing yeah. her voice and stuff to make it sound like gravelly, mm-hmm. but I think she's mm-hmm. she's so great in that role. That was like the first inkling of the Jillian Anderson that we get today. Like the like, stone cold. Not, yeah, like I feel like she scully was like was all that she was Mm -hmm. and that was who she was in the 90s but it's like no she actually had this like stone cold like wiser older self in her this whole time yeah yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) she was like 24 when she started on the x-files where she's supposed to be fucking a medical doctor like not fucking (laughs) she's supposed to be a medical doctor and it's like how on earth did she get her fucking medical degree at 24 and now she's at the FBI. Anyway. She like is one of those people I went to college when yeah, I was like 12 or something. Yeah, maybe she's But yeah, the cast is rounded out with Minnie Driver. It plays Lady Eboshi. I also think she has a great vocal performance in this movie. Yeah. Bill, uh, Billy, what's that guy? Billy Bob Thornton is the one of the villains. Mm-hmm. Um, and Billy Crudup plays Prince Ashitaka. He's uh, Dr. Manhattan. And he's an almost famous. And then Claire Danes plays... Son and I had a moment during this rewatch where I literally slapped my hands against my face and I was like, <laughs> Billy Crudup and Claire Danes, which they have a huge, they have a history together. Uh, mm-hmm. Billy Crudup left his pregnant wife, aka the woman from Weeds, whose name I can't remember, I don't for know. teenage Claire Danes. That's insane to me. I like, I like, I knew that they voiced. Yeah these characters but i didn't know they had a history and i didn't know he left his pregnant wife for teenage claire danes what Isn't the that fuck? crazy so i think claire danes has like spoken about how much she regrets it and stuff but it's like obviously not wow. her fault you know yeah 100 percent. oh my god so just weird I, like feel bad subtext her. behind this movie i'm not sure if it happened before or after uh this film <laughs> was made <laughs> dang yeah i think claire danes does a great job in this movie yeah i agree super fierce so the primary villains of this movie are this like monk who's played by billy bob thornton 
And Lady Eboshi is like kind of set up to be a villainous character. But what I really like about this film is that she's so complicated. And I think it's very hard for like the audience to like take a position for or against her. Like, I think mm-hmm. she makes a compelling case to as like a protagonist in this movie, too. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like it really tries to be like, oh, the real villain is hate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it does like succeed in that. And I think like I think it does right by pretty much all mm-hmm. the characters. Yeah, because they're all they're all complicated and interesting. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Lady Eboshi has created Iron Town, which is like obviously like destroying the land around it. But she's given mm-hmm. lepers and like former sex workers like a place of work she's Mm -hmm. protective of the women she employs um so she's really likable she's very funny you know uh yeah and i think she has kind of a turning point at the end of the film where she's redeemed uh Mm -hmm. i just i just and she's also not and she doesn't go without punishment yeah that's true lose an arm Mm -hmm. (laughs) which i think is like and iron town is burned to the ground so it's like kind of this fresh start and you're left with like the hope that she has learned her lesson almost and we'll do we'll start rebuilding iron town with mm. a like still the goal to keep the people that she is responsible for protected and mm-hmm. prosperous but without destroying like the people that she aren't her responsibility or the for, like mm-hmm. land around her for sure Because it's the kind of thing where, like, you... It's, like, obviously, she... Like, like they can't keep... Like, she can't just keep destroying things because then she'll, like, eventually, like, die. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, like, limited resources. Ashitaka, I'm kind of, like, bummed that he is the actual protagonist of this movie. I guess it's a good way of, like, framing the narrative or whatever. But um, to me, he's super boring, uh, he's just kind of like this dude who goes around to Lady Eboshi and San and is like, why can't we just get along? Why can't we be friends? Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I feel like he's a good blank slate for the other characters to sort of like mm-hmm. be introduced to us, I guess. Um, but I don't think like he definitely is very like active and like cares a lot about like protecting the people he cares about and the the like forest which he also cares a lot about mm-hmm. so he's definitely not passive no for sure and um uh interest his romance with san to me also feels a little like unearned or uninteresting too like if they were just like partners trying to work towards like a common goal i wouldn't mm-hmm. have i i think that would have been better uh mm-hmm. I, it's funny compared to Ferngully. i think they also have like kind of like a heated moment in the water together kind of it's intimate intimate moment in the water yeah yeah you're yeah sort of yeah mm-hmm. um i i love it <laughs> you're into it i i love it so much i just love how like subtle it is i like how subtle it is but and i also like how they it ends which is basically she's like i have to go rebuild the forest and he's like i'm going to hang with the people and rebuild iron town it's very mature it's yeah. like a long distance relationship yeah, I like that too. Yeah, it's kind of like how when people are married and they live in two different homes. And yeah. uh, so Neil Gaiman wrote the English script, which I didn't know until researching this. Um, and yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, that's very cool. And he was pretty unknown uh, at this point in his career, 
And I was reading one interesting thing, like a change that was made between the Japanese and English versions. So you remember in the beginning of the film where that girl runs out as Prince Ashitaka's band and she gives him that dagger? Mm-hmm. In the English version, it's his sister. In the Japanese mm-hmm. original version, it's his girlfriend, his betrothed. Oh. And she gives him the dagger and is like, don't forget me. <gasps> and then he gives it uh-huh. to San later. And oh so my God. that's crazy. The game was like, I'm not really sure who told me to make that change, but it definitely reads a lot different if this guy is like giving his yeah. his old girl's dagger to his new girl, you know? But yeah, I thought that was funny. A funny change. That is crazy. I feel like I would not like it as much if I had watched the Japanese version and saw it that it was. He's his like, I can ex. never forget you. Bye. And leaves. Yeah. <laughs> it is crazy. Like, he is banished from his old his like origin his hometown basically mm-hmm. because he saved it and was like infected mm-hmm. yeah and they're like you're dead to us now it's the way that they like say it is sort of like it's very harsh yeah for like, sure it is super harsh um and he has this haircut i think and he has what's his what's his little dear friend's name yakul uh yakul love yakul yeah love him i love yakul and the Wolves. Love the wolves. I too. also love that San treats the wolves like her little brothers. And I know. I know. I She's their boss. That. I thought that was so funny. I, yeah, I love I also love that, that so Mara was like unequivocally like, "This is my daughter." You know. Yeah. She's a wolf. Yeah, me She's too. She's one of us. Um, yeah. I cried a little when I love that. Like the I think uh, Miyazaki's films have such an interesting like physicality to them, like how people interact mm-hmm. with their environment and each other. Like um, mm-hmm. San, for instance, she's like wanting to be comforted by Moro, and she like curls up her whole her whole body into her fur while yeah. talking to her, you know, and it's such a, mm-hmm. so many beautiful details like that. And obviously a movie that is exquisitely animated too, and has so many mm-hmm. amazing shots. And apparently, um, it's a hundred, uh, 36 minutes long and has over 144,000 animation cells in the top 10 longest running animated films ever made. And Miyazaki personally reviewed and corrected all of the keyframes in the movie. It is estimated that he drew or corrected approximately 80,000 cells, which that I, that doesn't mean that much to me, but it's a big number. Yeah. I th- it's like a lot. <laughs> For sure. It sounds fun though, to be honest. Yeah. I have like, no, I'm not going to say, say it. it. I was going to say I have like screensavers of the cells. No, that's very cool. No, it's not. This is a movie that is interesting if you've seen a lot of his other movies, too, like where it fits mm-hmm. into his career, like compared to Kiki's Delivery Service or mm-hmm. My Neighbor Totoro uh, or Hal's mm-hmm. Moving Castle, even. This is mm-hmm. definitely his darkest movie and his angriest movie that I've seen. Yeah. It, well, there's like Grave of the Fireflies, too, yeah. too, which is like probably the like most sad. <laughs> but this one's like, I feel like the most uh, like violent I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Read this article by Kyle Anderson that says Princess Mononoke may be Miyazaki's angriest film. And he's comparing it to his other films. And he says the unrest of the world is present in nearly every frame. And even the wondrous magical creatures we can see, we see can't make us forget that for too long. Ashitaka is the only character who is seemingly trying to make peace and not simply escalate the war. But he's even corrupted from the outset and can't help but kill our main people, cutting off the arm and head of a soldier as he flees. San, the human who feels no kinship with humanity, represents Miyazaki's anger towards that part of mankind and would destroy a a forest to build a factory or slaughter hundreds for some political control. I I do think, though, she there's like a moment at the end of the film where she's kind of like accepting of her human self. Like there's a line where they're like only like the humans can pick up the forest head or something. And she and uh, Ashitaka both Mm -hmm. like reach for it together. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So I wanted to ask you, who would you rather date, Prince Ashitaka or Zach? 
Ashitaka for sure. I'm gonna say Zach. I think he's more fun. I feel like Ashitaka would. I mean, I guess I'm. I'm also just like not that fun of a person. So he's very serious. Maybe maybe not for me. I'm glad we don't have to fight (laughs) about this. But Ashitaka, I feel like would like take care of me if I needed to, but then leave me alone when I wanted to, which is like kind of ideal. You know? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And he's like, I feel like he's like hotter than Zach personally mm, i mean he, he like he, he's very he's like must be ripped he like is very strong yeah he's very strong so is she they're both very yeah. strong they're strong couple yeah or san you know like i have why, why yes let's date san san's our girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> and yeah this is another piece of trivia which i thought was interesting harvey weinstein was in charge of miramax at the time and planned to recut princess mononoke and Miyazaki was like, no way, Jose, and responded by sending a katana to Miramax with a note that read, no cuts. That's a cool. Power move. Do you yeah. want to get into that weird quote you put in here? The upsetting one about the boobs. No, we don't have to. No, I should. just like, I feel like, like, it's really cool that how Miyazaki puts it, like, pretty much has a mm-hmm. female protagonist or like in all, like almost all of his movies. And I think if you think about Princess Mononoke, you're thinking about Princess Mononoke. Aka San, you're not. Yeah, you're like also think like mostly you're like Ashitaka is the character you're with the longest, mm-hmm. and he's like the character you're following. But I feel like Princess Mononoke is successful because of her. But yes. anyway, he said this like really kind of creepy thing. I think this was like in the '90s, possibly. Oh. But it's like he said to. It was about a movie that he made in the 80s called Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. And the interviewer asks Miyazaki, Nausicaa is actually a really attractive girl. And what the Miyazaki that says, question is? I know. On. She's got big breasts, hasn't she? Interviewer. Yeah, Miyazaki. They're not big just so that she'd be able to nurse her children. And she doesn't have them to attract guys. When the castle guards and old women die, Nausicaa holds them as they pass away. So that's why she has them. They have to be big. You see, when they're held to her chest, it puts them at ease before death. So I think she has to have breasts that size. Which just, like, is so creepy to me. But to be fair, it's not to attract guys or be sexual. It's just a cushion, people. Like, when they're sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's weird. Like, and you know, like while looking up things to read about this movie, I came across a lot of essays that were titled like why Hayao Miyazaki is like the, one of the greatest feminist filmmakers. And mm-hmm. uh, certainly like we were saying, he does center these strong young girls in a lot of his movies, you know, mm-hmm. but that, I think you can't just accept that as making him a right. feminist filmmaker. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, but there's another quote from him I put in here where he said, many of my movies have strong female leads, brave, self-sufficient girls that don't think twice about fighting for what they believe in with all their heart. They'll need a friend or a supporter, but never a savior. Any woman is just as capable of being a hero as any man. And I think this maybe would be something interesting to ask him about at different parts of his career to see how he's like talked mm-hmm. about that over time. Um, but it certainly is. She Princess Mononoke is unlike any other princess you can think of in a children's movie. You know, right? Yeah, for sure. I feel, I, and like, I I feel like none of the characters in his movies are sexualized, really. But that quote from him is still like very troublesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me. I can see that for sure. Certainly, none of the I I don't think a lot of the girl young girl characters are. You know, right? Um, yeah, like this movie does have sex 
former sex workers in it, uh, mm-hmm. who not that they're inherently sexualized or sexual, but you know, like they are mm-hmm. like running around in these like busty robes. Yeah. I, well, I feel like every, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is like, but they're not like sexy. I feel like, yeah, you know? yeah. like, and I think that even the men are like not really wearing much mm-hmm. in iron town. That's true. Like no one's really wearing that much clothes in iron town for some reason. Yeah. Well, it's Maybe hot. Cause it's hot. It's hot. Cause of the forge. Um, yeah. It's, it's hot. It's um, hot in iron town. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like Fern Gully, this movie has a lot of, um, themes and kind of like explicit images that you would think would be unsuitable for children. Something that still gives me the spooks when I watch this is the ape tribe when they first yeah. appear and they're like animated in a really scary way. Yeah, it's super weird. Like, they are sort of just these gray blobs with red eyes, and the way that they talk also oh, is yeah, very scary. Yeah. And they want to eat it's, Ashitaka and San, too. Yeah, they want to eat the the human. It's like, freaking. that's the creepiest part. I think most, I think for me it has to do with, like, not just the red eyes, but their, like, swarm-like nature. Yeah. I don't like that at all. That freaks me out. Mm-hmm. And because it also, like, gave me the heebie-jeebies when all of the boars were together. Yes, yes. Where that scared all me a lot. The the hunters. There's a part where all of the, um, like, a bunch of hunters skin boar carcasses yeah. to hide their scent and just start crawling along the forest floor with the uh, boar carcass- carcasses on them. Mm-hmm. And it's, like... That part is also very creepy. There's a lot of, like, creepy imagery in this movie. Like, a lot to do around the boars, I feel like, mostly. Um, And the demon that possesses them is basically given to them when the de- when the the gods are shot mm-hmm. they become possessed with the demon and it's basically hate but it takes the form of this like pulsating wriggly yeah. worms like coming through their skin which is also really freaking weird i've i feel like a lot of people when they think about f- like freaky or scary imagery in this movie they think about the the worm stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> Ashitaka's arm being infected too is also really scary. That kind of thing scary mm-hmm. as a kid that your protagonist would be mm-hmm. injured in that way. Um, mm-hmm. And it's even just gross, like the close up of the this one boar who's super freaking old, yeah. and he's uh, blind, and he just has like a bunch of like eye crusties on him, <laughs> and just even like even like his skin is like mm-hmm. he has a bunch of like warts and it's all like gray it almost looks like it's like melting off of him mm-hmm. like i think there's just like a lot of body horror elements in this movie that is similar to like the goo sort of stuff in fern gully which i think the goo is also in like like something like spirited away which is another scary mm-hmm. part of you're spirited right away, goo, i feel like goo person and like things just like seeping out of your skin is like that's that's a theme in Miyazaki <laughs> villains. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that kind of animated style too, like really makes that um, accentuated. Uh, mm-hmm. And a, a lot of the people in the one star reviews were kind of talking about those weird tentacles. Um, but I think it's mm-hmm. an interesting way of kind of um, visualizing how this is like it, it festers in someone. I mean, we didn't really talk about it, but like, like hate is like I said, like hate is tr- trying to be like the mm-hmm. main villain, and the whole time Ashitaka is like first infected by it because of the because he touches the boar, mm-hmm. but he's like trying really hard to fight against it the whole movie. 
Um, even though his arm sort of has a mind of its own mm-hmm. and like is killing people, he's trying to be as not as violent and see with eyes and clouded by hate. But and I think he does a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even know like like regular humans that aren't infected have hate. That's so. true. <laughs> um, so people hated this movie for almost the exact same reasons they hated Ferngully. I think really what ties them <laughs> together more than anything else. Uh, but there are some kind of uh, racist comments we are about to read. This person wrote, the Japanese probably like their young male characters to be all mopey, melancholic, effeminate emos, and the young female characters to be clingy, whiny, immature brats, which she is none of those things. And he is none of those things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's very strange. Very strange. One star review. Yeah. As almost all of them are. (laughs) Uh, this is another one. It was terrible, and we only watched the first 10 minutes. We couldn't take it. I mean, who the heck wants to watch demon worms possessing a demon pig, pig skeletons, and arrows chopping arms up? Not us. Um, This guy was was so long, I had to cut it down. You mean, (laughs) I didn't even understand it. Excuse me for not having a degree in Asian studies, but I don't think there should be a requirement to see friggin' cartoon. Am I uneducated and insensitive to Japanese filmmaking? Have I misunderstood Kurosawa's movies all these years? Was I suckered in by the lack of constant yelling and screaming? Was I merely projecting Western values onto his characters? Like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Going off in the IMDb comments... You're yeah, what to be a heard. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, this is not my favorite Miyazaki movie. I think uh, Howl's Moving Castle is. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle is my favorite. the romance to me is just the like... The romance! Oh, I know. And I, I, I like want to name my kid Sophie. Yeah, I mean, like, I love San and I love Princess Mononoke, but to me, like, I love Sophie as a heroine, too, because she's, like, yeah. this, she's so vulnerable at the same time as being yeah. strong. Yeah. She's an old woman for most of the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. How could you not love that movie? I need to rewatch it. I like, love so, it so much. And Christian Bale's performance is Howl. God, I freaking... Uh, uh. Okay, anyway. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, obviously this movie crushes Fern Gully to dust in a matchup. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight. Or, yeah, an, an eight or a nine. I, it's it's a great movie. It's a great piece of filmmaking. It's so beautifully drawn. Um, I think it's an awesome movie for young girls to watch if they're not totally freaked out by... Uh, also maybe for any young people to watch if they're not totally freaked out by tentacles and um, some of the gorier elements of it. But a really, really great, beautiful movie. Um, uh, yeah. What do you think, Mackenzie? I love this movie so much. I'll, I'll give it a nine and a half. Whoa. <laughs> like, it's like one of my favorite movies of all time. I just love, I'm like such a sucker for the Miyazaki movies. Yeah. Like they just, probably because I watched them when I was like so little mm-hmm. and just like I was obsessed with them since then. I've just, they like like spark something in me i just love animation Mm -hmm. so much because i love like this is true with like all film that like you have to pay really close attention to what's in the frame Mm -hmm. but like with (laughs) animation i feel like even more so because you just have to create it from scratch yeah and it's like very calming to me to watch animation and miyazaki just is like the best so i love any Ghibli movie, pretty much, I'll like rate so high. Except the only thing that beats this is like House of Moving Castle, which I'd rate a ten. <laughs> we should watch it. We should extra rating for you there. <laughs> we should watch it for when we do like rom com season. Oh my god, we should do that in February and just do like <sighs> yeah, we should a shit ton. Oh my god, because 
to all the boys I love before two comes out on February twelfth. It does. So we could do a chicklet. We could do a chicklet about that. And we'll do. Okay, we'll, sorry. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll talk. We'll, we'll each pick out our favorite ones. Okay. It would really help us out if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod and email us at ChickFlixPodcast at gmail.com. And if you rate us on iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review, I will write a rap for you and perform it on air in the style of Robin Williams' Batty. Oh my God, I love that. I'm going to write one. No, it doesn't work for you. <laughs> Our next episode will air on sept- uh, September 2nd, and we will be kicking off a month long celebration of the man, the myth, the legend, Stephen King. Anyway, well, we'll be watching Carrie and Firestarter. Ooh, excited for this. Yeah. You know, this is also our last episode of our year of doing the podcast. Wow, congrats to us. But Chick Flicks is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Creek Carlson for our music. Thanks for listening. Chick Flicks. <laughs>